Welcome to our Web3 Builder Series. Today I have Yolanda Barton from Revere XR. Yolanda, thanks for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. Excited to talk with you again. Obviously, we've met a number of times through the Immutable Accelerator Program over at the Atlanta Blockchain Center here in Atlanta. So yet another Atlanta founder on the series here. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Like to start, Yolanda, with your background. Tell us a little bit about you, where you grew up, where you went to school, what you were interested in, and and share some of your backstory with us. Sure, of course. Well, I'm not from Atlanta. I did get here as quickly as I could. <laughs> but originally, I'm from Seattle, Washington. And you don't hear that often. So consider me a unicorn. Um, and what's really awesome is that when most people hear Seattle, they think of really great, innovative companies like Amazon and Microsoft and Starbucks. We all love Starbucks. Um, but I had a very different upbringing in Seattle, and it was more around the music scene. Like I was immersed in a community full of world-renowned musicians. I was aware at a very young age that when my grandparents were leaving the house in their furs and pearls in my grandma's wigs, that they were going to see live musicians. And they talked about this ma magical 15-year-old that could play the piano and a blind man that could play the piano. And it just seemed like the most magical place. And they were really talking about Quincy Jones. And they were talking about Ray Charles and the first time they played together. So my city has a lot of music history. I mean, it's the birthplace of Jimi Hendrix, Kurt Cobain, Sir Mix-a-Lot. I mean, I mean, that list is really too long. <laughs> to name all of them right now, we'd take up your whole uh, show, but I felt really empowered and in an amazing creative space where like legends were born. And I've just always been keenly aware of that. And my parents, my grandparents, my grandfather was one of the first black men to work for Boeing. He designed wings. My grandmother was one of the first black women to own a beauty salon and she turned it into a cosmetology school to teach women how to make businesses and, and earn money. I mean, there's just always this um, message of, of service and creating community and making sure people had opportunities to thrive. And I was just keenly aware of what community meant to my family. And next to that was education. You had to get an education in my family. Like you weren't allowed to not talk about college or consider how you were going to allow education in that trajectory to shape the future for you and for others. And so I fell in love with social justice at a young age. I was a youth activist. I was involved in a youth nonprofit called the Seattle Young People's Projects. And we were doing rallies in front of the superintendent's office to get multicultural education in schools and I got a chance to go to the Million Woman March in Philadelphia, came back and organized retreats and conferences. I was a part of a generation where like we were organizers and we were really proud of the things that took place before us. And that definitely inspired what we were doing. So I wasn't creating music, but we were definitely disrupting. <laughs> I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it. And uh, you stayed out in Washington for college, right? For my undergrad, yes. But I also went on exchange and traveled as much as I could. And my mother is from the Caribbean. My father is from the States. So I have both Afro-Caribbean culture and my father's half Italian and half black. So I, I feel like every piece of the world, there's something <laughs> in it for me. And I wanted to get to the Caribbean as quickly as I could. So I did a lot of uh, exchange so that I can go sit next to a beautiful beach and have a great education. <laughs> and then after my education, I, um, 
you know, I, I found that going into law wasn't necessarily right for me. I got an opportunity to work in the mayor's office. Thank God. And I realized, oh, yeah, I don't want to go to law school. And I really was fond of organizing. And so I got the opportunity to advance a politician uh, for a year. And he felt like I had a lot of great skills in planning. And so I went on to do corporate events and festivals and concert series. And then I walked into corporate and was there for quite some time. I worked with organizational leadership, executive leaders, like mm-hmm. global chairmen, C-suite, COOs, CFOs for large global firms. And I solved problems and I managed relationships and I finessed closings and kind of fell in love with that pace. But it was um, it was a lot. And you start to see a lot of people getting sick around you and not a good balance of work and life. And um, at the time, I became a single mom and decided it might be a good idea to go back to school and get another degree or two. <laughs> okay. Um, after living in Austin, Texas for quite some time working in corporate, I um, moved back to Seattle for graduate school and enrolled in the communication leadership program. And I achieved two master's degrees in communication leadership. And that really just opened my world and my life to an entirely new industry, which is sort of helped where I am now. And uh, I mean, you did some things that were entrepreneurial in nature in your earlier parts of your career was, uh, and you said your mom owned her own store. So you had some exposure to that from growing up. What inspired you to kind of start a business or, or gave you the interest or courage to do that? You know, my entrepreneur story is very different from other people's. That originally was not my intention. Um, when I returned to Seattle from Austin, I saw some changes in the city that really left me paused. Um, The neighborhood that had all that music history that I was raised in was no longer accessible. I mean, there was really not much of a trace of that history anymore. And that was the problem that I was obsessed with solving, Brian. I mean, I took every class in grad school as an opportunity to move the vision of how I could solve the disappearing and vanishing of history forward. And I stumbled upon uh, technology, immersive and emerging tech, And just fell in love with virtual reality, augmented reality, 360 film, projection mapping. I mean, there is really unlimited possibilities in that space. And and, I mean, I think that's also what Web3 is about. This is the next iteration. Like, of course, I grew up in Seattle. I remember what the dot dot commerce boom looked like, right? I remember all the houses on Lake Washington and in Medina being bought up based on that (laughs) dot com boom. And But I also remember saying there's going to be something else and I want to be aware of it and I want to make sure I catch it. And and that's what Web3 and emerging technology is right now. It's an opportunity to build the future. Was there a first experience that you saw or something that really blew your mind and opened up the possibilities for you? Was, Was there one thing that really stuck out there? Yeah, my aha moment is what I call it. Um was when I put on a headset and experienced Beat Saber of all places. I mean, I love the game, but what it really did for me was said, wait, if I can simulate any environment in this headset and people can experience it, I found my solution. And that idea right there that we could recreate space so we could recreate history and moments in history and music's most priceless memories and make them accessible to people to experience. Like, don't get me wrong. I love to read about it but we also want to experience and interact with it. And emerging tech, Web3, XR, that's the future. I love that. And 
you know, entrepreneurship is such a, a difficult road. It's uh, it's got so many bumps and 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 turns and and challenges to overcome. And what uh, you know, what in your background and your life gave you the the confidence to know that you could do something like this? What what uh, you know, where was a place in your life where you had to take on something of that level of challenge, stick with something over a long period, and and be successful? We we always talk a lot in in our venture group and beyond the game about you know, kind of the life lessons from sports, translating to entrepreneurship. What yeah. was what was the thing that you draw on to to give you the confidence to do this? You know, it's a couple things. It's knowing what my grandparents did. They were firsts, right? They were pioneers in their community. Um, it was also being one of the only people of color in most of my academic programs and being in um, really great opportunities and situations. But it was also the work in corporate. I mean, I learned through my corporate career that people really believed that I could do things and that they saw me solving problems and you know they paid for me to get certifications in project management. They really believed that I had something to offer and I was constantly being told by the very C-suite leadership that I was supporting that I was going to do something amazing and that I had great skills and that those skills were making a difference in their company. Um, and then I'd say the biggest one most recently was Oculus Launchpad. Like, listen, I'm a non-tech founder, so I'm not a developer. I'm not a programmer. Um, I'm striving to be a technical artist. We'll get there. But at the end of the day, what I have is vision. And I have an insane ability to execute and manage projects. And that served me well in this space. But walking into Oculus Launchpad was very nerve wracking for me because you're surrounded by people who live and breathe this tech and they're developing and writing code. And that wasn't me. And so, you know, for a year I stuck out with this program and created something. I created a prototype um, from scratch. I built a team and those were all things I didn't even know I could do in tech. And so that really kind of created the opportunity for me to say, I really can do anything and I'm going to build this company. So, you know, no one gave me permission. No one told me I should. Um, but I decided that my vision was worth sharing with the world and nothing was really going to stop me. I'm also, I have this hard headed DNA, so I don't know how to stop. <laughs> I love that. Tell, tell us a bit more about the uh, Launchpad program. What is it? How'd you hear about it? What did you apply with? Like, what did you, you know, you said you weren't technical, you weren't been able to, you know, how did you get into that thing? <laughs> Tell us about that program. Sure. Well, like I said, in grad school, I started doing some really amazing research after I decided emerging tech was a solution. And so I was putting you on had a your problem. You knew the solution. Now you had yeah. to go make it happen. <laughs> yeah. But I needed to also educate and gather more information. So I spent a lot of time collecting history, meeting elders, people in their 90s who are what I call living history. Like we need to collect that history and that information. And then I started to do um, concepts around like immersive tours of neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of my research was getting media attention. And so Oculus invited me to come and speak at their headquarters. And that was great. I got to share my vision for the future. And I think it really opened up a conversation about where we can go with this. And um, they and how did you get that opportunity to, to speak there? Did you just cold reach out to them or they found you somehow? How did that they happen? Found me based on um, wow. a couple different news outlets that did some documentaries and work on the research that I was Super doing. Super cool. <laughs> I was bringing back moments of history and, and creating opportunities for us to bridge that in the future. And so that did get some great media attention and King 5 and GeekWire and a couple different places did some stories on me and 
you know, Oculus is in Seattle's backyard. So, you know, they contacted me and they said, would you like to come and speak and share your vision? And of course. So it was really exciting. I got to meet a lot of people and share the vision for how I feel VR can be used beyond just games or, you know, real estate or construction and medical, but like, how can we bridge the past and the future together and make it accessible? And so they fell in love with that. They gave me the opportunity to apply to Oculus Launchpad. I applied with my story. I applied with who I am. How no I product, no mock-up, nothing live in a VR headset, right? Absolutely. And <laughs> and just my academic career, basically. And they invited me. They welcomed me into the space. They told me it was okay that I didn't have the background <laughs> and the expertise, that they were excited to see how I was going to use the opportunity to build. So I think that helped too, knowing that they were excited to see what I could do also. And, and is that like an accelerator program? How would you describe that program? It's not quite an accelerator program. Okay. It's more of a competition. And mm. what it allows is the opportunity for people who are going to be innovators, the future leaders in this space to kind of come together and say, like, I can build something. I can build a team and I can create something. Now, some people come in with teams. Some people come in with angel investors who are already funding their prototype. I walked in by myself. <laughs> I don't think that scares you based on how, what I know about you. Um, Maybe a little bit, but not enough bit. to freeze you up. <laughs> right. Not enough to have me turn the other way and walk away. And it was amazing. I built a team. I learned a lot and I managed a team in the creation of a prototype. I also was um, in the initial early boot camp. I How was, did you find a team of people to help you develop this? And there's oh, not like a, is there a huge group of Oculus game developers out there to draw from or how did you find that? I was really lucky because during boot this camp, is not something you just throw on Fiverr Upwork, right? No. no well, <laughs> a might. Who knows, right? <laughs> you want to find talent wherever you can, but they have to believe in your vision. I was really lucky because during boot camp, I was rated number one on the leadership board by developers. Okay. People, <laughs> developers were most excited about me bringing something different to That's the team awesome. and doing something and that hadn't been done before. And so I had my pick. I mean... I had more developers reaching out to me. People who worked for Oculus were reaching out to me um, at the time saying, we're really interested in what you're creating. No one's created anything like this. And so I had more people wanting to help than it took for me to have to go scarcely find people. I had an opportunity to bring people together and I did. And people loved the vision and they wanted to build in it. And they were patient with me because I didn't speak their language. And I was patient with them because they didn't speak my language. And so, <laughs> you know, we found the middle ground and we created something really amazing. Well, I've had a chance to put on the Oculus headset with you and try out the uh, the Jimi Hendrix experience. And uh, and it is really cool. Describe to our our listeners, our viewers, what uh, what what exactly do they get to experience in what you built? Well, I can't wait to put the headset on, back on you because we're past the prototype and we're almost done with the All right. experience. <laughs> so we'll make sure we make time for that. But what I will say is what I did was created what I call uh, an immersive storytelling experience, right? And it's an opportunity to visit a historic neighborhood because we recreated it through Unity. And now you can have elders and storytellers give you a tour of the neighborhood, tell you the history of the 
landmarks. You can visit historic businesses that are still thriving in this space and walk through the door of their businesses and be greeted by the owner and hear the story of their business and their connection to the neighborhood and what their products are. You can also have amazing opportunities to experience the music history of Seattle. So we're looking to create more content that supports telling the story of Quincy Jones and Ray Charles, and Jimi Hendrix and Sir Mix-a-Lot and then the hip hop era. So we've created an interactive mural in the exhibit sorry, in the experience that allows you to kind of travel through the different timelines of music history and experience it. So you can see historic concerts, you can see recreated moments in time in immersive tech. And, you know, Jimi Hendrix was one of my favorites and I wanted to lead with him in my prototype and I got permission from his family to allow me to do that. And we want you to play the guitar with Jimmy. We want you to go to historic, you know, holographic concerts and experience some of his most amazing moments and concerts. We want you to be teleported to different moments in history where you can have that up close and personal, intimate experience with history. Yeah, it's super cool. And I can't wait for more people to get a chance to see it. And I'm excited to see the updates. Talk, talk, talk a little bit about the go-to-market. How will people experience this? Are they going to buy this in the Oculus store? Are they going to see this at schools? Where are you, where are you trying to bring this experience to the, to the consumers? You know, we're really considering where we're starting and how we're scaling. So I want to talk a little bit about that whole vision. You know, initially, since Oculus is giving me the opportunity to release on their platform, it will be available on the Oculus platform. And okay. that means so you if you've will got a headset, you can buy it, download it and right. jump yeah. right in and learn about uh, learn about this amazing experience. Absolutely. And then the next phase, we're really looking to work with uh, museums. Mm -hmm. I'm creating interactive, immersive exhibits like, how are we weaving, you know, I, a lot of people went to see Van Gogh and that was great. Like projection mapping of art is an amazing simulated environment. But I think we have the opportunity to really push those boundaries and allow AR and VR and 360 film to play a role in immersive exhibits too. And so I'm really looking to do a lot of that. And that's part of the foundation I'm laying here in Atlanta is how can we take the civil rights history, the music history, the sports history, and create interactive exhibits for people to experience it. Because then that's access. It's great to have a headset at home and download it. I'd love for you to enjoy my experiences from the comfort of your living room, but how can we get the elders out to re-experience their history and date night and families and people to come to museums and interact with history and immersive and emerging tech? And that's what we're going to be doing here in Atlanta. And in Atlanta, you're going to highlight Atlanta artists or you're going to be bringing those Seattle artists to Atlanta? We're looking to highlight Atlanta's artists Okay. I mean, I, I know further down. You got a lot to choose from here. <laughs> yeah. And there, and that's amazing because we could be doing this work in Atlanta for the next 10 years, just recreating all of these moments in history through civil rights and music and sports and, and really creating a larger team that is interested in telling the stories of where these musicians and artists are from, their connections to the community. I think a lot of people don't realize before that NBA player was on that professional court, he was in community courts. Or they were, before they were on the radio, they were in community hubs performing as musicians. And so the neighborhood and the city is a character in their story. We want to preserve that. We want to weave that story into what their success looks like and let people see, okay, I may not be Michael Jordan, but if you're from Chicago and you are deeply connected to the roots and history in that space, you can allow it to inspire you. And Brian, you know, representation is everything. So we have to tell these stories so that future generations will be inspired. 
Well, I'm sure they will be. I've seen some of the content and it is spectacular. Thank you. Um, outside of the work with the Oculus program, what are some of the other accomplishments that you're really proud of that you've, you've, you know, successes or, or wins you've had so far with Revere that you're excited about? I know we met through the Atlanta Blockchain Center program and, and that's been valuable. What else is, uh, what else has been things that you've been able to celebrate so far with Revere XR? Oh yeah, there's a lot to celebrate. We were awarded by Catalyst, Catalyst Foundation um, for our work. I'm in the book, Women, uh, Top 100 Women of the Future uh, by Mission Impact. Really excited to be honored by them. I've been speaking around the country at different innovative conferences. Um, we recently did a demo uh, in the city of Seattle to share the immersive experience of Seattle's history. And let's just say some amazing things are happening in that space as well. And we re are recently found out we're one of the finalists and soon to be announced potentially the winner of Oculus Launchpad. And so we're really excited about all of the amazing support we're getting. One thing that's clear to me, no matter how many awards you win or the recognition you get, is that people see the importance of this work. And they see that we are probably among the last generation that's going to be able to do an overhaul of our history and really make it accessible for future generations. And we continue to get um, a lot of awards for that concept. And, and I call it XR preservation. So we're using XR and Web3 to preserve and create interactive ways where we can experience history. Well, you've got a great mission and I'm sure our viewers and listeners would be excited to support you. How can, uh, how can people support you? What are you looking for to take this business to the next level? What are some ways that people who are fired up about what you're building can, can get involved and help? Absolutely. You know, building an immersive and emerging tech is very expensive. We're raising 2 million because it costs quite a bit just to build in these experiences. And especially because we're merging AR and VR. We're also looking for relationships in Atlanta that can help create opportunities with museums, the Civil Rights Museum. We're looking to get in front of a gentleman named Mike Ross and put our headset on him. So we're looking for you, Mike Ross. Okay, that's what I know. I can do that intro. Okay, that's easy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we also are looking to create a space where we can create storytelling campaigns and events where we can have historians and elders and storytellers come out and share the history because that opportunity is engaging community in the process. And we want more opportunities to do that. And most importantly, come on, Atlanta musicians, the, the musicians in this city, I need to interview you. I need your stories. I need to know what parts of the neighborhood inspired and, you know, participated and contributed to your journey. It's, it's amazing to go to concerts in Atlanta and see music but then it sits in an archive or it sits in a cloud and it's not accessible. We need to make it more accessible. So we need the record labels to be willing to work with us. And we need musicians to tell their stories and allow us to capture it and create an immersive story. Love that. All right. Well, lots of ways. If you're listening, you're watching, you're reading about Yolanda and what she's building here at Revere XR. She's looking for help with investors. She's looking for help with places where the audience would be, museums and other places of gathering. And she's looking to get to the music scene here in Atlanta. So if you've got those connections, reach out. We'll have her LinkedIn contact info in the, uh, in the show notes. And she wants to hear from you or get in touch with me and I'll get you in touch with her. She's uh, building something great. And, and uh, there's lots of ways for folks to help out there. Yolanda, if people want to 
check out what you're building. There's nothing live yet in the Oculus store. Where, where do they go to get more information? For now, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. We're doing a number of viewings all over the place. I'm doing mm -hmm. pilot programs with schools. There's a lot of opportunities to get involved. So reach out to me and we'll get you plugged in. I also am doing some um, intro to VR booths at Ponce um, mm -hmm. on certain Saturdays. So if, if it's your first time, you don't have access to a headset, come on out and we'll get you plugged in. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for being a guest here on this Diverse Web3 Builder series. It's been a lot of fun to reconnect and get the updates and to help bring your story out to the community. We appreciate you. Thank you so much, Brian. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed this a lot. All right. And tune back in uh, next time. We'll have more amazing Diverse Web3 Builders here on this series. Thanks.